may be seated. I'm going to continue on tonight. Brother Celier was supposed to uh, preach tonight, and he was here this morning for prayer. And I looked at him. I said, you don't look so good. He said, you're going to be able to preach tonight? Yes, sir, I'll, I'll be okay. And I said, uh, you don't look real good. I said, look, I'm ready uh, in this series if you want. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, pray for him. He, he's not doing real good. He was going to try. Uh, but that didn't work out too good. We started a series on the devil's not dead, and the devil's not dead. And I talked to you last week uh, about uh, we get into arguments, churches call splits, governments get into it with one another, even Christians between each other, and rare if ever do they bring up the devil and what he's trying to do. So we act as though, and one of his great deceptions is to simply try to keep people in the dark about he's even alive. Does he even exist? Do you really still believe in all that? And so the devil, I'm here to tell you, is not dead yet. The absolute authority on all this would be God's word. Nobody else is the authority on the hereafter, whether that's hell, heaven, angels, demons, then the Bible, God's word. So when you read something else, I read an interesting book the other day that said this, Okay, that's all it was, an interesting book. Uh, the only truth that we have is God's word on it. And so we want to start there and end there and everything in between we'll put in there, okay? And so this uh, week I want to talk to you about uh, what's in a name. Uh, in America, <laughs> we don't put much emphasis or thought into naming, I don't think. I'm not sure what kind of historical connotation Bob means. But we like the name, so we'll call him Bob. We'll call her Jane. What's that mean? I don't know, just like the name. So it, it, this is the way that we in America a lot of times uh, name people. It's, it's more of a um, sentimental significance, you know. But in the Eastern and many other nations, but especially in the uh, Eastern uh, parts of the world, especially in Bible times, names carried a lot of information, carried a lot of emphasis with it. To those people, names were descriptive and significant. Sometimes they would express the faith of the parents. For example, kids don't name themselves. Uh, I don't think, do they do that today? I don't think so. Uh, and so what happens is, for example, uh, Elijah's parents named him Elijah. Elijah means Jehovah is my God. He didn't name himself. It goes to show you how the parents believed in God. And so they named him Elijah, meaning Jehovah is my God. They gave that name to him. So sometimes it describes the parents and maybe their beliefs or something like that. Jacob, if you'll remember, the name Jacob means supplanter. It means cheat. So don't name people Jacob. Uh, or it means, uh, anybody here named Jacob? Uh, you can't take up offering. Uh, and it means uh, supplanter. Now, when God was through with him and he broke his hip and changed his whole attitude about everything, he changed so much, had to change his name. And so it went from being deceiver and it went from being trickster to God called him Israel. People did not name themselves, called him Israel, which means a prince with God. So the name had a lot of significance to it. Jacob had a lot of significance to it. Uh, Elijah had a lot of significance to it. Sometimes it would describe physical attributes. For example, Esau meant red. Now, I don't know if that was a nickname, hey, red. I don't know if they did that, but his nickname was, uh, his, his name meant red. Also, Laban, if you'll remember him, I don't know exactly what this means, but I do know the name means 
Now, I don't think he was a dark Jew with blonde hair. I think what it was, he may have been light colored, or maybe he had a fading in the pigment of his skin. I, I don't know. I only know that the name Laban means blonde. Among the ways that God reveals himself to us, because we have no way of knowing, and Jehovah's Witnesses are absolutely wrong when they say his only name is Jehovah. That's not true. There are gobs of names throughout the Bible that describe God because one name for us cannot bring about an understanding of who God is. So God gives us lots of different names to talk to us about his characteristics and reveal God himself. A surprising amount of titles are ascribed to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, and to God himself, which helps us understand a little more about his character. And all of these, by the way, are progressive. So when God started in the beginning, it says, in the beginning, God, there you go. As time goes on, there are lots of other names that have been given to God or by God to himself that helps us to understand more about who he is, what he does, what he means to us. He's called Father. Okay? If it was just God, but now we also have Father. So that adds a lot to it, doesn't it? So now we understand more. So all of these names mean that way. By the way, the same thing is true about Satan. Satan in the Bible here, uh, we find out here there are 30 different names. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's 30 different names ascribed to Satan. Satan's not the only name for Satan. 30, 30 different names are ascribed to him which fulfill and tell us a little bit about him. It is significant that his full name and nature was brought out when Jesus was here on this earth, but not until then. We come to find out in the Old Testament there's not a lot said about the devil. There's not a lot, but more and more in the New Testament because he has stepped up his workings in the last days and God wants us to know what that is. So tonight I want to talk to you about, up until then it's been kind of shadowy about the devil, uh, but we'll find out a little bit tonight. So I want to talk to you about what's in a name. Well, please remember Bob, Jane, now George means kingly, handsome, okay, godly, you understand? Okay, so some names still carry a lot of significance with it. Uh, some do not. So let's talk about, first of all, Satan. Satan means adversary. It means opposer. It means slanderer. Slanderer. The name is mentioned more times, Satan is mentioned more times than all the other angel names put together throughout the Bible. All of them together. The name is given to human adversaries. So when the Bible said your adversary, the devil, adversary itself is a reference to Satan. Okay, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter number 11. 1 Kings chapter number 11. 1 Kings chapter number 11. Look at verse number 14. 1 Kings 11, verse number 14. The word adversary is a characteristic, if you would, of Satan, which means like Satan. So when somebody says, you're my adversary, what they're saying is, you're like Satan to me. Now watch what I'm saying here. Look at verse number 14 of chapter number 11 of 1 Kings. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. He was of the king's seed of Edom. So the Lord stirred up an adversary. The adversary here, a reference means Satan. 
Okay, so whether it was human or actually the devil, it's a reference to the character or likeness of Satan. Go over to verse number 23 of that same chapter. And God stirred him up another adversary, Rezon, the son of Elihada, uh, which fled from his Lord. Uh, there you go, the rest of it. Now, so Hebrews uh, uniformly reserved it for the Hebrew people, for the devil. So when they talked about someone as being an adversary, everybody knew what they were talking about. The Hebrew people, when they used adversary, they were talking about someone like Satan. So when they go, I have an adversary. So when you read about David talking about his adversaries, he was talking about their workings or behaving like Satan does. In the book of Job, he is, he is the persecuting counsel bringing charge against God's loyal servant, Job. We know the story here. So what happens here is this. So we find out he's prosecuting, he's prosecuting counsel, bringing charge against God's loyal servant, Job. In 1 Thessalonians, turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, way up in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. There we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, look at verse number 18, verse number 18. Here we come to find out that he is seen in this one as a role of hindering the purposes of God. Now when we think about that, we think there's this battle directly against the kingdom up in heaven. That's not what he's talking about here. God and what we're supposed to accomplish down here, the devil's hindering the work of God down here. Watch what Paul says here. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So he's talking about, he, Paul recognized there's a real devil. And his name is, one of his names is Satan, is what he refers to. And he said what he's doing is hindering our work to come unto God's people and try to help them. Folks, please understand, a lot of what goes on in a local church, what goes on in your family, what goes on in governments, we keep attacking each other like I know what you're trying to do. They may be being used to the devil, willingly or unwillingly, but the fact of the matter is, the devil has set out since the Garden of Eden to thwart everything that God is doing. So he attacked them in the Garden of Eden. He attacked marriages. Next he attacked the children, then the family. But the first thing was against God to break that relationship of walking with God in the garden, and it worked. And we come to find out he was very deceitful in doing all that. Over and over again, Satan is described and regarded to as a malignant, malicious personality, hostile to God and God's people, working consistently to thwart God's plan. Okay, we're a local church. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, right? The bride of Christ, which is the church. Come to find out now who in the world would want to pass laws and, and, and cause local churches that, okay, do we go out and shoot people? I hope not. You don't do that, do you? Uh, do we go out and burn people's houses out? No. Do we go out and raid stores? No. Do we go out and start cussing and, and, and doing things we should? No. Why would people be upset with us? That's a good question, isn't it? Because that's normally what we ask. Preacher, why is this happening? Instead of realizing that when these things happen to us, the Bible said, think it not some strange thing that's happening to you. But it happens so rarely, though it's coming to a theater near you, it happens so rarely when it happens, we're thrown for a loop. 
Preacher, what is going on? Are you living for Christ? Have you given yourself to him? Are you doing everything you can for Christ? There's your answer right there. The devil has got to stop you. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're a mom. I don't care if you're a dad. I don't care if you're an old grandpa. It doesn't make any difference at all. When you take a stand for God, he's got to come after you. He's got. It's not you that he's so concerned about. He wants to thwart the plan of God. God works through his people. That's what the devil's got to stop. Because if it doesn't, we keep winning people to Christ and turning people away from this world and to the Lord. The devil's not real fond of you. And that's why a lot of churches have given up their bus routes, their soul winning, their outreaches. I don't mean outreach to feed or clothe. I'm not against that. But that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about telling about the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what's got to be stopped. Because the devil hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. So what he's trying to stop is the production or the pushing forth of the gospel, not you just being a good person. Jesus, don't misunderstand me, Jesus did not go about um, uh, being good, though he was. The Bible said he went about doing good. And when his ministry started up until that time, he didn't run into too many problems. But when he was 30, and after he was baptized and went out in the desert and came back, yeah, it was all over with but shouting. I mean, things really began to happen after that. And this is why when you decide to sell out to God and become serious about this whole thing, you are open game. So we just sit in church and be good. No, he went about doing good. When you start doing good instead of just being concerned about being good, now I'd rather you do both. But Jesus, it does not say he went about being good. It says he went about doing good. And they crucified him. Why would you crucify somebody for just being or doing good? Because what he was doing was turning souls away from hell and away from the devil and away from this world to God again. And the devil cannot put up with that. So there comes the attack right there. So first of all, Satan, adversary, opposer, slanderer slandering us all the time. The next name here is devil. You hear that a lot. Uh, we use a lot of terms uh, that should be pulled in a little bit. We use them to cover a lot of area. The devil this and the devil that and the devil this, and that's okay to a point. But when you're trying to describe the devil, what he does, the name devil here, Hebrew translation, you ready for this? It means hairy, shaggy, he-goat, satan. It means hairy, shaggy, he-goat, right? Is it this way? Right? He-goat, symbol of Satan, right? Pitchfork, hairy, long tail, no? Cloven foot, where do they get all the stuff at? Listen to me very carefully here. So what it means in Hebrew, the devil translation is hairy, shaggy, he-goat, satar could be the reason why a lot of people picture him as being this hairy, uh, animal-looking goat uh, like that. And you see a lot of these, by the way, I was wondering today, uh, here out of nowhere, they're calling basketball player, who's the goat? See, I don't think anything's by accident, nothing. Everything's planned by God or the devil, one or the other. And you come to find out here, goat doesn't stand for greatest of all times. 
goat is a name that was given by the Hebrews to the devil. And come to find out, satars, listen carefully, satars were con, con, uh, conceived of as demon spirits who inhabited the desert and who had to be appeased by sacrifices. So now we come to find out what the devil wants is for you to sacrifice your life to his cause. Now, he's not talking about bringing a goat or something or a lamb to, a, to an altar. He's talking about your life. Give up your life from him. You say, well, Jesus wants that. Well, one's going up and one's going down. Which way do you want to go? One, so Jesus already sacrificed for you. The word is always used in an evil connotation. It's never good at all. So this, this hairy animal here could be the basis or the, con the concept of devil being a hairy creature with horns and hoofs. Why? Because they likened it unto a satire. 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 And what it is is an animal, a made-up animal that dwells in the desert that can only be appeased with sacrifices. Thus, the devil. Okay? Now, this is what they refer to. Also, in Greek, it means diablos. Now, we've heard that, right? We've heard that. Diablos is slanderer, traducer, if you don't know what that means, malignant accuser. Listen very carefully. Diablos, traducer, means this. Leads along as a spectacle to expose in disgrace. So what he likes to do is lead along to disgrace. Think of all the Christians you know, right? Good people, save people, love the Lord. Somewhere along the line, they started believing this, this devil, this diablos. Um, and the next thing you know, they were being led along. And traducer means lead along as a spectacle with to expose to disgrace. See, this is what the devil tried to do with Christ. He tried to disgrace him there in the in the wilderness, right? We'll embarrass you, we'll shame you, you're breaking the word of God, and then we'll expose you. So he was trying to lead him along. This is what he does to everybody. The devil has no new tactics at all. He just has new people that don't know anything about it yet. And this is what he does. Diablo, slanderer, traducer, malignant accuser. This is used 35 times, the devil, in the New Testament. 35 times. Now, anytime something is repeated over and over again, it has great importance in the Bible. So this is what we find out. It was a term applied to a paid informer. A paid informer. There's a lot of that going on in Washington, isn't there? But watch this carefully. In John chapter 13 and verse number 2, we find out this is true about, guess who the favorite disciple is here? Judas. Judas was given how much money to inform where Jesus was going to be? Paid informer. John 13, 2 talks about Judas. It was this descriptive title that fits the devil in many places, major places in the Bible. For example, in the Garden of Eden, he slandered God to man. God wouldn't do that. God knows better than that. And this is what Satan, the devil, was doing, slandering God to man. 
now we jump up to the book of Job and we come to find out that now we have he slandered man to God. Oh, yeah, well, if you hadn't done this for him, you hadn't done that for him, and, and he wouldn't serve you. He's slandering. He's slandering, but that's what he does. We have a tendency to question God and believe the devil. Now, we don't believe the devil, but we believe everybody but God. We're always questioning God. Why does God do this, and how come God let that happen, and why won't he do this, and how come he doesn't straighten it? Like he's at fault. You know why? We forgot there's a devil. We don't even pay attention to that anymore. Then come to find out in the wilderness where he shows up again, he slandered the God-man, Jesus Christ. If thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, if thou, he said that three times, accusing him. So you're him, right? Then why don't you do this? Oh, you're him, right? Then why don't you accept that? Oh, you're him, right? Throw yourself off this pinnacle. You know what the Bible says about that? So he's accusing all the time. The devil is never better, listen to me, church, never better than when Christians begin to receive his character into their life. Not the character of the devil, but the devil's character. Slander. Yeah, but it's the truth. It really doesn't matter. Who gave us the right to spread hurtful truth about anybody? Slander. That's what he did. He slanders people all the time. So the devil is never more pleased than when God's children pick up on his characteristics. Slander. If there's any one thing that will start to pull a church apart faster than almost anything is when something begins to go wrong, everybody begins to point fingers, slander, and pull things apart. And nobody brings up the devil. Nobody brings up the devil at all. So nothing breaks the unity of the spirit like the subtle, sinister tactic of our enemy when we begin, we forgot all about him. You ever been in a church split? Oh, yeah, some of you have. Uh, you ever been in a church split? Man, you can almost feel the presence of the devil down the hallways. Sitting in church service, people are throwing darts at one another in the name of the Lord. I know the truth and I know what's going on. Accusing people, accusing people. And then the devil backs away and let us destroy ourselves and nobody even brings his name up while God is telling us what we ought to do, but we can't control ourselves because we bought into the accusation and, and, and tearing each other apart. Nothing should be more avoided by God's people than slandering of one another. My Bible teaches me love covereth a transgression, not yours, others. The Bible tells you don't cover your sin. You bring it to God. You leave it with him. You talk to him about it. You get that thing taken care of. But when it comes to other people, you don't. Let me tell you what uh, 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 my best friend just did. I still love him, but let me. What are you doing? Well, it's true. So if it happened to you, it was true. You want anybody to talk about you? So you know who started all this? The devil. He loved, why? Because one of his names, the characteristic of that is slanderer. He loves to slander. Number three, let's talk about one, two names for the same person. Beelzebub. Spelt this way, B-E-L-B-E-E-L-Z-E-B-U-B. -E -E Has two E's in it. In the New Testament, though, it is Beelzebub with two A's. 
In the Old Testament, it's Beelzebub. In the New Testament, it's Beelzebub. The Old Testament has two E's. New Testament has two A's. The Old Testament is Beelzebub and represents the god of the Philistines, Ekron. Uh, if you go back, and it's real easy to do. By the way, try to avoid going to Google to find out good Bible information. This is the god whom the king... Ahaziah sought counsel from. Ahaziah, one of God's men, one of his kings, went to a fake god, Beelzebub, who is a name for the devil, to ask advice on what he should do in his kingdom. Is there anybody at all in Congress or the White House, is anybody praying to the real God anymore? We're trying our best to show everybody we know what's right. So everybody's running around doing that which is right in their own eyes. And how is that working? And now we're in such an enlightened age, we've just become this side of being stupid. Nobody's going to bring up the devil. You know how infantile and weird that sounds? So you like the devil, devil, right? I mean, you believe in the devil. Well, that's quite a put down for intelligent people, isn't it? So we just keep fighting and stabbing and hurting each other and tearing things apart. And the devil sits back and says, I'm the prince and power of the air. I control spiritual wickedness in high places. That's my job. And he's doing a great job because God's people have become very ignorant of this thing, this creature called the devil, Satan, Beelzebub. Beelzebub appears in the New Testament as Beelzebub ascribed as Beelzebub, the prince of devils in the New Testament. B-A-A-L. Beelzebub, like, like the god Baal in the Old Testament. Not, not that kind of Baal, the other kind of Baal. And so what you find out here, it means lord or ruler of demons. Beelzebub, so don't be calling people stuff like that and and uh, see, what happened is movies and, and programs have made light of this so much, we think it's a movie. Yeah, I saw a movie about that. Yeah, I, oh, it was a really cool movie, though. Yeah, it really was. You know, anything we get used to, we don't take real serious a whole lot. I remember way back in the day, the first time I heard about Armageddon, nobody really said that much, except that's what's going to happen at the end, you know. Everybody's kind of pointing that direction. Now we have movies about it. We talk about it. It's just like the um, uh, one world government. We talk about that all the time. You know, Christians get, yeah, we're heading that direction. Like it's no big deal anymore. It's part of what's going to happen in the end times. A one world government. It's going to happen. You know why? God said. And we're kind of walking right along with it too. One world monetary system. One world religion. Most people are eventually going to start giving in to Catholics. Whether they become a Catholic or not, they'll go along with it. You say, how do you know? Because Revelation talks about it. It talks about it. We as Baptists, people keep trying to force us to give in, to get along. I can't get along if you're not right with God. I cannot do it. not going to do it. I'm not rebellious and I don't want to start a fight. I'm just not going to give in. I'm like the kid on the playground. You just keep pushing, but I'm not giving in. I'm not coming to your side. I'm not siding with you. I'm not going to. Why? I can't. My Lord and Savior said, no, I can't do that. 
but the whole world will give into this. There'll be a one world religious system, one world monetary system, one world government. So I'm not for the United Nations, period. In Revelation, it talks about the great whore riding the beast. The great whore is a religion riding the political powers of the world. It's Catholics. You'll see on a Sunday morning we have a lot of uh, people from other countries come here from Catholic background. Just kind of look at me like, but it's true. Okay? So the concept has caused him to be termed the genius. Are you ready for this? The genius who presides over corruption. Talking about the devil. The genius, Beelzebub. An appropriate description of the devil's major activity. What does that mean? The devil corrupts everything he touches. Everything that he touches. The Lord or ruler of demons. The name means, you ready for this? Dung God. Do I need to describe this to you? It also means, maybe you've heard this, I think there was even a movie out decades ago, Lord of the Flies. I know there was a book out called that. That is a descriptive name for Beelzebub. Why Lord of the Flies? You ever watch something that's decaying? Flies and maggots. He's the Lord. What a great title to have. And people, out of their ignorance, follow him while he's doing all of this. See what he does. He corrupts everything that he touches. Personal life, you don't have to believe that. I think you do right in your own life. And guess what's happening? Everybody's ruining their life because they're do you're not God. You are not the God of your life. Even if God's not the God of your life, you will never be the God of your life. Though we try desperately to guide our own, I know what's best. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want. I know where I'm going. Only God does that. So I guess we've decided I'll become my own God. Now, nobody walks around and goes, I'm my own God. Do you hear basketball players? I'm in charge of my own destiny now. Really? I've never shaken hands with God before. You're not in charge of your own destiny. Social life with drunkenness, debauchery, drugs, lewdness. He corrupts everything. If you think that our mayor and these goofy people setting up all these basketball places and all these entertainment centers for young adults is going to stop all this, it's not. I grew up here. I grew out in the street, and I'm just telling you right now, if you lived on one of the worst streets here, that was simply bragging rights. These younger adults, they don't want to be delivered from this. It's bragging rights and power in their estimation. They need to have a change of heart. And the only one that's going to do that is not the devil and this world and politicians. Never has. Never stopped me. Never stopped anybody that I know. But when I ran into Jesus Christ and he changed my heart, everything changed from there. Everybody that was after me is no longer after me. All the irritation and the upheaval I had in my life was now peace. There's only one person can do that, and that's Jesus Christ. Church does not do that for people. Jesus does that for people. But he ruins people's social life. Political life, 
bribery. Oh my goodness sakes, seriously? And we act like nobody's ever going to come to judgment on this stuff. Well, nothing's ever going to happen to them. Nothing's ever going to happen. You hear that all the time. Yeah, we caught him the other day. I, the more I hear about this, might keep doing. I, I keep thinking like this. So what are you going to do about it? We just talk about it. It's like nobody really wants to stop this. Yeah, well, what can I do? You live the way God wants you to. That's who God's going to hold responsible in your life. Christian doctrine. The Bible talks about doctrines of, you won't believe this, devils. Doctrines of devils. Things that the world is putting out that should be associated with the devil, but we're buying into this humanistic society that we're building, this utopia under man. Do you know who's doing Folks, do you have any idea who's doing all I can tell you're real excited about this. Do you know who's doing all of this? It's not God. God is not running this world right now. The Bible calls the devil the prince and power of the air, the God, little g, of this age. That's his system. He's running the police. And, and Daniel talks about the prince of Persia. And it talks about other angels as being princes. Behind every country is an angel, good and bad. These are messengers and power from God and or Satan. He's the prince and power of the air. Spiritual wickedness in high places. The king of Persia was not who Daniel was concerned about. It was the prince of Persia. See, the more we're familiar with these names and phrases, the less emphasis it seems to have. There are movies put out, Prince of Persia. Yeah, I saw that movie. It's really cool. Do you have any idea what this is all about? Folks, listen to me. We're heading towards the end time, whether you're ready or not, whether you like it or not. It's going to end up the way God wants it to. In the meantime, though, there are a lot of souls that are dying and going to hell. There are a lot of Christians that are backsliding and no longer seem to care about what goes on in their life, in their family's life, or their church for the cause of Christ. While we look at the world and point at their sins, we are backslidden as cold as all get out, and God is not using us because we don't care anymore. No, look at us right now. I don't hear any shouting. don't hear any loud amens. don't hear any I agree, preacher. We're just sitting here staring. It's going to be done. What is wrong with us? We need to wake out of this lethargic attitude that the world is sapping our strength by getting every hour and minute of our lives that it can, and God gets the leftovers while we're half asleep in church on a Thursday night talking about the devil. Pretty bad. Everything he offers, everything he promises, everything he teaches, everything he has corrupts and is destroyed. Have you not caught on to this? Everything. You say, oh, no, we're real, doing real good financially. Do you know how many people are corrupt because of finances and material things? You think that's the answer to everything? Boy, if I just had a job, if I just made more money, you'd want to make more money. If you made a whole lot of money, you want to tell people what to do and how to go about it. It's not the answer. Material stuff is not the answer. I'm not against it because God also blesses his people with material things if that's not their major thrust. But this is what he does. Turn to 1 John, way up by Revelation. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Everything he touches. Look at your world. It started out at Garden of Eden. Tell me man is getting better. Look at it. 
It's all we do is complain and point fingers at how bad things are getting. If man actually started with evolution, should we not be going from Neanderthal, slugging it out, discovering fire and what a wheel is, to now we're just the smartest things ever? Then shouldn't we be a whole lot better by now? But we started off as men who walked with God, had knowledge to name all the animals, how to protect their family, how to work the way God instructed them to, to we're not going up, we're going down. And there's your proof right there. That's a great proof against evolution. In 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 15 and 16. The devil corrupts everything in this planet. He tried it even in heaven. But watch what it says. Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For or because, here's the reason why, the love of the Father is not in you. All that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life is not of the Father. So if you're in love with the world and what it does, I know, I know, I know, well, I'm not in love with the world. But nobody, to ask him, nobody's in love with the world. I don't even know why God said that. I mean, what was he thinking about? A lot of people, a lot of Christians in love with the world. We are compromising so much. We just want to take our ostrich head, stick it in a hole, and hopefully a rapture will take place before we get bothered too much. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see kids get hurt. I don't want to see churches pulled apart. I don't want to see any of that. But at the compromising of the truth of God, forget it. Somebody has got to, and I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be me. I would like for it to be me. I'd like to know I took a stand for God till the day that I die. And I don't mean just, well, I don't bother anybody. They won't bother me. Do you know how many people in third world countries don't bother anybody and they get slaughtered every day? Every day they get slaughtered. And all they want to do is live peaceable in their village or their town or their neighborhood. And we in America are giving up our rights. Now they're actually talking about communism and socialism, turning certain states into that. What are we doing? We did not appreciate our freedoms and our Christianity. And the devil said, yeah. God, God knows the more you learn, the more you won't be like God. You know that? He fell for it. Knowledge has become everything to us. Knowledge is power. You ever heard that before? God is power. So, because all that's in the world, watch what he says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The dung God. The more you serve and go after what's in this world. I'm not talking about food, clothing, have a place to live, going on vacation. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't you understand what the world is doing to us? This is why you ought to appreciate people on this staff. They decided that is not going to be my most important thing. Everybody on this staff could be making a whole lot more living in a whole lot better area than they're living in. You don't think they would like to, as they got older, have insurances and retirement? Yeah. Do they have it? No. They said, God's got to come first, and this is my opportunity. Talk about the serpent. I think it's getting warm in here, and I don't have a phone. Mike, see what you can do about that, will you please? Turn to Revelation chapter 12. 
the dumb God. Who in the world? Not dumb, those that. Really, he's not. He has a lot of wisdom. Dung, D-U-N-G. You know what that is? Fertilizer. You want me to go any farther? Okay, we all know what that is. Revelation chapter number 12. The serpent. That's another name. The serpent. In Revelation 12, 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceived, uh-oh, the whole world. So from where he started with Adam and Eve, by the time it ends, he will deceive the whole world. Now, I don't know about you. Not a whole lot scares me. That's frightening. Now, I'm not planning on being here. I don't believe I will be. But what about your children? What about those that aren't doing any harm to anybody but end up during this time? Over all these thousands of years, he is fixing the whole world to deceive them all, to blind them to God, while nobody even remembers who he is. What a deal. That's pretty smart. Get everybody to turn away from the real God to serve somebody that's not even there, but he really is. Isn't that amazing? What a plan. A lot of wisdom there. So we find out here, Isaiah called him in Isaiah 27, 1, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, and Leviathan, that crooked serpent, which means fleeing and twisting. Fleeing like a, like a, like a snake. Fleeing and twisted. Jesus himself used the serpent as a symbol of deceit and hypocrisy. So I just love snakes. I think you're stupid. Why in the world would you? That's, that's like saying I, I like scorpions. I have several of them in a in a bar in a, in a jar at my house. Well, just let them loose in the kids' house. As long as they leave them alone, they won't bother them, right? How I I don't understand our logic anymore. I mean, even if you don't know the Lord, where's our brains at? I, I, I don't get it. Well, I don't want to be afraid of it. I want my kids to be afraid of snakes. The only good snake is a, thank you very much. Now, look, if you would please, go to um, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew, now we've got the Lord talking here, and watch what he calls some people. You think, man, he's kind of rough. Me, you ought to hear what Jesus has to say. Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, I want you to drop down to verse number 33. Jesus is talking to scribes and Pharisees, religious people that are as lost as a goose in a hailstorm, telling other people they ought to follow them because they know God. Jesus shows up. First of all, he said, look, if you knew God to begin with, you'd know me because I and my father are one. So they didn't know God, okay? A lot of people go to church. They don't know the first thing about God, but they sure talk a good one, don't they? And because they're nice people, we like them. They don't speak the truth, but we like them because they're nice. I get a little harsh sometimes. People go, I, I, don't, I don't care much to hear stuff like that. Verse 33, here's what he called, Jesus, your loving Savior. Here's what he called them. Watch what he says. You serpents, whoa, you think he just picked that name out of the blue? 
No, he knew exactly what he's doing when he called them serpents here. Watch what he says. You generation of vipers, that's a serpent also. How can you escape the damnation of hell? He's talking to human beings, religious, church-going people. Jews that went to the temple, and these were some of the nicest people you ever met in your life. And he said, you're snakes. You're headed to hell. Can you imagine me going to a revival and they ask me to preach? And I get up and say something like that? You think they'd crucify me? Matthew chapter 22, 33, you serpents, you generation. He's talking to real people, but he likened them unto attributes that belong to the serpent. The apostle Paul had a similar reference. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse number 3. there but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your minds should be corrupt oh, and this, from the simplicity look folks it's not that difficult to understand it can be awful hard to live sometimes but it's like salvation Paul said I, I, I don't frustrate the grace of God what are you doing telling people they have to live this way and they don't live that way and you better do this and you better have... What are you doing frustrating the grace of God? It's freely given. It's, it's like prayer. Oh, no, if you don't say the name of the Father, Son, what are you talking about? A child's prayer can be heard. A person that don't know the first thing about prayer can just cry out to God and say, I'm sorry, and God will hear that because God hears the heart, which is a whole lot better than going through all of this and there's no heart in it at all. Nobody that knows Jesus Christ... Just like Baptists coming to an altar all the time and just trying to make themselves look good or feel good, if Christ is not involved in that, it did you no good whatsoever. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, your minds, your minds should be corrupt from the simplicity that is in Christ. The one who is later identified as the devil appeared first in the garden as a serpent. This was no mistake when he called him that. Jesus was referring, if you would, in his mind back to the garden and how that serpent beguiled Eve, misled her, told her partial truths, lied to her about everything else. And so he looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and said, you're serpents. He knew exactly what he was talking about. In Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Subtle means crafty. Subtle means crafty. In Proverbs, go to Proverbs 22 and verse number 3. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. This is very interesting here. Watch this very carefully. <coughs> Proverbs 22, you'll find the word prudent here. Proverbs 22, 20, uh, verse number 3. I'm sorry. 22, verse number 3. Hold on. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Now, prudent simply means 
having discernment in everyday affairs to know what to do and not to do. Doesn't sound too difficult, does it? But what we have here is this. The word prudent has the definition of crafty, cunning, subtle, but in a good manner. He uses the word crafty for the devil in an evil thing. He, what I'm trying to show you is when he was in heaven, I told you last week all the attributes that he had when he was in heaven, those did not drop off after he left heaven. He still is the God of music. God put it in him. The tablets, the tablets, and the pipes, the beauty that's in him, still there. The wisdom that God put in, still there. The craftiness that God put in, still there. There's nothing new in the devil that was not in him when he was in heaven. The problem is when he was kicked out, every bit of that came with him and it got twisted. Now every bit of it is used to thwart the cause of Christ and to ruin what God wants done here. So it would appear, as I alluded to last week, that the wisdom which was in Lucifer was apparently endowed in him before the fall he took with him. But it degenerated and got twisted. And now he uses it for evil purposes. Anything that would tear down God, his people, his church, anything, that's what he uses all that for now. The Hebrew word for serpent, I, I can't pronounce this, but I'll give you the spelling, N-A-C-H-A-S-H. I think it may be nashish, I think. May mean to hiss and to shine. To hiss, no, and to shine. And could represent him as a bright and shining one. What? The devil? Do you know we, we still, even as grown-ups, we have this picture of ugly. When character, he is, no doubt about it. But you remember in heaven, he was beautiful. Music. Wisdom. Brightness. Standing before the throne of God himself. The anointed cherub that covered him. What a privilege. Just like us. We get saved, God turns our lives around, gives a husband, a wife, a good family, and we start wanting something else, don't we? You have a fallen nature that tends to want to naturally go the way of the world, which all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. So you need to be born again, receive the Spirit of God in His nature, and then you must on purpose walk that direction. Dead come natural, come supernatural. Go to Isaiah chapter 14, and we'll close right here. Isaiah chapter number 14. <coughs> Excuse me. Isaiah chapter number 14. We wonder how we could fall for, I'm painting a pretty ugly picture and a pretty destructive picture. I mean, what intelligent person in their right mind with any eyeballs at all, which I have them now, by the way, and I can see would fall for such an entity, for such a being. I mean, seriously, look what the guy does. Look what this thing does. Who would fall for this? Because we have this picture of that he-goat satire. Clubfoot, ugly, horns, hairy, right? 
every other tooth missing, loves to reign in hell. He's not in hell. He don't want to go there anymore and you don't. How could we do such a thing? In Isaiah 14, 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Look at the description. Son of the morning. Around here in the mornings, I have a very nice deck on the back of my house and whenever I get a chance, I like to sit there. And the sun will come up on one side and, and you can actually watch it go down on the other side by the time it gets there. I, I never sat there that long, I'm just saying I've been there. But I come over here on this property and you'll see the sun coming up over top of these tall trees and the shadows are long and they begin to shorten as the sun comes up. And in the evening, they begin to lengthen over here as it goes down. And in the fall or, or, or in the springtime, the coolness is there and you can almost smell the leaves and the grass and, and the beauty that is there, just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Wait a minute, who's the God of this world? Satan. Do you know that blonde you keep staring at, sir? Beautiful, isn't she? Well, I'm hoping you don't cheat on your wife for some ugly woman. Why, why is it someone beautiful? Why, why do the sparkly things grab our attention? Jesus is absolute beauty. But the things of this world grab our attention. Could it be because of this sun of the morning? Shining, beautiful, bright, attractive. Maybe that's what it is. Again, taking his God-given characteristics. He was beautiful, wisdom, music, comes down here, still has those in him, and twists it with that. Now the music at one time, one can only imagine the beauty of the music before God himself created this archangel with this music built into him. Every precious stone was his covering. Standing before the throne of God, God who is absolute light, could you imagine that light hitting all that and just, could you imagine the beauty? And the Bible said, full of wisdom. God gave him wisdom beyond any other angel or creature ever. You know what he wanted? I want to be like God. I want to be God. Actually, I want to be above God. And this is exactly what he tempted Eve with. God knows when you eat of what he told you not to, you become as gods. Anybody want to be a God? Sure we do. We want to run our own life. We don't like people telling us what to do. Right, come on, we're smart. We went to eighth grade. We know what's going on. Second Corinthians, and we're actually done, believe it or not. 2 Corinthians, seriously, I, I'm really, well, I'm as serious as I can be. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter number 11. Satan twisted all of the gifts. By the way, it's not just him. Christians do it all the time. 
Aretha Franklin, where did you learn to sing? Church. A lot of singers that you hear out there now, ask them where they learned to sing and refine their talents. Church, choir, singing solo. I tell people here, we've had a lot of talented people in the past. I said, when you decide to hit the old singing road, just keep on traveling. Because that's not why God gave you that talent for you to entertain people out there. He's now used it for a perverted purpose by which God did not create in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Let me fill in the blank here. There were people following Paul around and seeing what they considered advantages. You mean churches will support you just by saying you're an apostle? So they said, we're apostles too. So they would get fed, they'd get free places to stay, uh, they would try to take care of them. And the apostle Paul later on said, and by the way, this is where he said, I I I'm a tent maker. Well, first of all, that was his, his, his uh, um, job at one time. But now he said, oh, they're apostles and they're just like me? Okay, don't, don't give me any money from the church and I'll make my own living. See what he did? Oh, you like me? Then live like me. But here he's simply saying, he's referring to them, and he's saying, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. Don't let this catch you off guard. Don't, don't be amazed at this. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also tra be transformed as ministers of, you kidding me, the devil's ministers as ministers of righteousness? Well, you think you're going to get up here and cuss out God and tell you it's all fake? Nobody's going to believe that. You get a lot more people that are going like this. No, no, I, I think the Bible's true. Oh, yeah. The devil knows the Bible's true. I'm just not going to tell you all about it. Jehovah's Witness come to your door. Ask them, do you use the King James Bible? They'll reach right in their satchel and pull out a King James Bible. And they won't use it after that. Put it back in, pull out all their own literature. Folks, if we do not start smartening up, not just to be smarter, so we can fight a good fight of faith, I'm telling you, watch what it says in verse 15. No, it is no great thing if his ministers be transformed into ministers of righteousness who end shall be according to their works. There are preachers and pulpits all around this world. Fake healing, fake tongues, fake knowledge, using fake Bibles, using God's people for merchandise, and by the thousands they go, you know why? You know why? Just like a lot of Baptists. We don't know our Bible. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes, what do you mean makes sense? Salvation doesn't make sense to me. Why in the world would Jesus save a wretch like me or you? That doesn't make sense. I'm glad he did, and I know how he went about it. That makes sense to me. Oh, really? You're going to march around a city seven times, it's going to fall flat. Yeah, yeah, who, who's going to buy into that? No, you don't have to shoot any arrows, don't have to throw any spears, nothing, it just fall flat. Who's going to buy into that? That doesn't make sense. There's a lot of things in the Bible. My back's against the Red Sea, and we're going to drown, and here comes our enemies. There's no place to run, and God's going to make a way. Yeah, who's going to buy into that one? 
we got to get to the place. You do understand we're not going to be here if you're saved. During the tribulation, a real image is going to move and talk. You understand that? We're being set up by so-called miracles today. That one day, it's actually going to happen. I've seen something like that before. I think it was on the, on the show. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. And we'll just follow along. And I beg you to read your Bible. I beg you to study. I beg you not to miss church. I beg you to start listening and following God. And the world has worn us out physically and mentally. And it has a huge effect on us spiritually. To where? It's all we can do to stay awake at the throne of God as best we can. Don't tell, preach, I put in a lot of hours. Okay? Tell God that. You do understand I put in a lot of hours. That's why I fall asleep and can't move my chair. Tell him. Tell him. The whole world is dying and going to hell. Satan seems to be winning this game. Eventually he won't, but right now. Families being torn apart. Cities are being torn apart. Countries are being torn apart. Everything's being set up to destroy mankind. And the only thing we've learned from the Bible, at least it hadn't come to my neighborhood. That's it. Jesus gave himself for others. They lied about him, made up stories about him, crucified him. Basically, it was capital punishment, and everybody said he had to be guilty. Look what they did to him. He never said a word. Not us. We cry like a mouse eating onions. We get every attorney coming and going. We would warn everybody, this isn't fair. I'm a born-again Christian, and nobody has a right. I'll stand for my rights. We're real big, aren't we, Christian, on standing for our governmental rights carrying guns, right? All those other things we're real fond of. Let's start here, okay? Let's start here before we start standing for the Constitution. Let's start standing for these bill of rights, for this godly right. Let's start standing here, but we don't know this anymore than you know the Constitution. I said, preacher, are you upset about something? I am because we're easing up and we're okay with it. And nobody even brought up the devil's name. He's not real, right? Yeah, he's real. And when you no longer think he is, I just proved my point that he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the